Reader Mail. Number 13. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to episode 13, unlucky 13, I guess you could say, of our Reader Mail series. Of course, don't be, don't put your bad juju on me. I can't. Don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. I don't want any technical difficulties on this episode. Anyways, for those that don't know, this is an extra episode of Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast where you could find me and Brett normally every Monday at 10 a.m. PST and noon central time for us over here across YouTube and all podcast services in the world. If you find a podcast service we're not on, let us know. We'll try to get on it. But this is where it is a more personal, more adult-friendly episode where we ask you guys to ask us questions on Twitter, Discord, Facebook, and uh, we'll answer those questions on air. And we basically have cutoffs. I, I want to make sure that it is clear for everybody that if you ask a question uh, and it's passed, uh, or if it's on a Monday, it, it's, it's certain dates that are there involved. Look at uh, like the tweets and then the Facebook messages for that uh, because you could get a cutoff date like our good buddy Felipe he is one of our local content creators. His um, name on Twitch is Rex Strider, R-E-X-S-T-R-I-D-E-R. Go check him out on Twitch if you want to support one of our locals here and uh, a good buddy of ours. And uh, But he submitted some questions that were really good, but unfortunately, Felipe, they just they missed the deadline just a smidgen. So that'll be the next Reader Mail episode in two more weeks that we'll answer yours, but I will make sure that those are the first we answer of Twitter. And uh, like I said... Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Discord. I believe Brett is over there right now, kind of searching through our Facebook to see if we have any. Yeah, we don't, and that's uh, partially because of me. I only posted twice in that two-week period. And with no questions? With no questions. Look at all. us, little... Okay, so this may be a fairly short episode, but... Yeah, uh, that, sorry, guys, for not getting it out there enough. I know one of the things is is that some people have questions they want to ask, but don't even think about it until they see the post. Right. And I only posted... Uh, Twice in so there. well, we did have HypeCon um, that we were worrying about a local convention that went over fairly well, even though it was very hot. Uh, it was very hot. So I guess we'll skip Facebook and go straight to Twitter, which I actually have pulled up right here. And our first Twitter question comes from my good buddy Matt Green. He says, "Do you think we should be able to pause our PS Plus subscription if there is a month?" And then he puts in parentheses games you dislike. Just seen this month's PES and Horizon Chase. I don't like football, and Horizon looks like a remake of Outrun. This is actually an interesting question. Something I've not heard anybody ask. Well, the first thing we need to do is talk about the fact that uh, PlayStation is actually, for the first time ever that I am knowing. Yeah, has changed the month uh, due to, uh, I'm going to assume it's due to feedback. No 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 one said anything. Yeah, there's no reason. There's potential reasons. Uh, Number one is uh, just people giving them poor feedback as to uh, essentially people complaining about PlayStation Plus's games, which is very right, much what the yeah. question's based around. Um, I think that's one. Uh, the second option could be that there was a contractual thing that they thought was going through when they announced it, and then Konami backed out of it. could be secondary. Uh, Konami could have backed out in general because of the negative feedback. Who knows? Uh, or it could have just been that they realized short... Yeah, I, I, Who knows, really? Detroit, with it being Detroit specifically and then Heavy Rain as part of Detroit's digital deluxe version, it's interesting because we've gotten Heavy Rain before on the service, yeah, but it, now we're getting it a second time, but not technically as the main game. It's almost like it was an X. Like, the way I look at it is that this is one of the first times that I can remember um, that we've gotten a bundle like that, right? As a, PS, as a singular PS Plus game. That, as far as I'm aware. And so, I'm trying to think of another game. Oh, the Handsome Collection. Yeah, that, and that was that's sad because that was just last month. Yeah, um, so I guess that there are occasionally times, but yeah, again, so it's, it's, it's that, 
what I should say is that it's very rare that you, but this is a game that they published. So I get why they have that ability, but it's very rare. I, I can't think of a time that they gave us a game and gave us the digital deluxe version of one like that. Like you know, when they gave yeah, us I can't when they gave us Bloodborne, which was well after the old Hunters came out, they didn't give us the old Hunters. Hey, Sony, even though they published it next month, give us Final Fantasy Fifteen Royal Edition, and then I might actually play it. Um, but to get to the meat of the question, if here, I were you, I probably would too. Actually, yeah. Like if I hadn't played it and you were getting you get for free everything? the best version, yeah. Because uh, I still have it digitally. I don't have it digitally downloaded, but it is in my library to re-download. Uh, but to get to the meat of your question, this is actually something I've never thought of because it is an interesting solution or a take on a solution on something that normally people just talk about canceling. So to delay your subscription would be nice. However, I do think that for business reasons, that would be terrible for Sony and they would never allow such a thing because let's face it. If you're going to consider deleting or delaying your subscription, you don't play a lot of online games because you do have to have your PS plus to play online. Mm -hmm. So it is interesting to think of that. Which would also tell me that they would technically lose out on, you know, whatever real money that is to them per month. Whether you're a month-to-month subscription, that's $11. And if you are a, um, let's see, it's at, what, $29 for three months? So it's 10 bucks you lose if you cancel out a month and that. Um, yeah, and I think it's like $7.99 if you, have, if you bought the yearly plan. But how do you get that back? Does it get refunded to you if you purchased a year? Um, which would be interesting. Maybe you get a credit to the PSN store. That could work. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, well, it, it gets weird because I think that I like the spirit of the question, which is uh, giving consumers control within the best of their ability. And it's not a negative thing either. You can just delay it. You still have the service. You're just delaying it for then. And you're not talking. It's not the cancel culture thing going on. But I think what ends up happening in this situation is that for essentially terminology aside because of the way PlayStation plus works, if you get the free games for it and you use the online service, whatever, um, a pausing, it would be the same as just essentially saying that I'm not going to do this month. Uh, and maybe next month I come back to it, resume my subscription, but that's essentially the same thing as, uh, just canceling your subscription and then coming back. Now that does depend, like you said, on how you buy it, because if you do it month to month, then it's literally just the same as canceling it and then coming back to next month because the PS plus games that you had originally won't be playable in the month that you don't have PS plus, but as soon as you get it back, you can play them again. Right. Uh, so for lack of a better term, it's essentially that you are resuming your subscription. I guess technically um, too, then that is a good point. Cause you, you would not be allowed to play those games that you've bought previously for that month. Yeah. So say but only games that you got for free through the PS plus instant games collection, which I don't think, they call it that anymore but i think it's a great word so. well i think well hold on if you if you delay that month then you can't play uh, yeah that is weird because i don't know if many you can people, only play free ps plus games while your ps plus subscription is, is current yes. yes um so that is kind of another little now, if you let caveat. it lapse and then you come back to it three months later those games are playable again right so um which is an interesting you, you essentially just lose the license for as long as you don't have ps plus yeah which, the, the license check goes back into your ps plus so like i say for lack of I mean, we're honestly just for it's, it's terminology at that point. You are, for lack of a better term, pausing your subscription and then resuming if you ever come back to it. Now, how long you wait to do that is up to you. But I think the meat of the question ends up coming down into the part of, let's say you bought it in a year, because, you know, we, we framed it in the month-to-month situation. Now, let's yeah. say you bought it in a year or in a three-month window. 
uh, say three months into the window, or say you bought the three months, we'll start with that one. Uh, the second month out of those three months you don't care for, but the first month and then the third month you do. What do they do in that second month where you say, I don't want to do my subscription? Are they supposed to refund you? You already got three months at a discounted price than if you would have bought them a month at a time. Right. And it gets to be sticky where, like you said, from a business point, it just honestly makes no no sense for them to be able to do, even though on paper, you know, the idea just being said out loud is like, oh, great, uh, freedom, you know, choice essentially for your consumers. Um, and that sounds great on paper. And I still think the, the spirit of the idea is good, but I think that in practice it's almost impossible to do mm-hmm. because how is Sony supposed to be able to say, hey, then here's your money back. The only way that that becomes feasible is if they stop oper- uh, stop offering three-month and one-year subscription purchases or say that you can only pause months, which is, again, for lack of a better word, it's what you can already do if you just go month to month. Um and I don't. I think PS Plus is not a great value at month to month. If I'm being honest, no, it's not. Uh, I I always urge people as much as possible that if you are on the PlayStation and that's your primary system and and that's what you're really going to play the majority of your time on, even if it's just the off chance that there's going to be two games that year that you're going to want to play online and you don't care about the free games, buying it at a year is the best way to get it because it's sixty dollars. That breaks down to essentially what um, three dollars a month or some. A mess like that um well no not even that right it's 99 for a year right or no no it's 60, 60. For a year. yeah i don't know yeah, it's, it's what back. it's what xbox gold has always been yeah so 60 um, a year divided by 12 is three no i can't do math i'm tired <laughs> oh blame me i'm tired too pull up the big old calculator i've actually been sick this week which i mentioned our i think i mentioned our discord that like i had food poisoning yeah you told me that i mean i'm assuming this is bouncing off of what happened at the end of hypecon <laughs> no it was it's five it's just five it's five dollars a month. month okay yeah you're right well uh, god we're dumb yeah but uh <laughs> i know I, this please well, my, don't judge our math skills. no like i had uh burger king and i think it killed me so i don't know if i'm really here right now or not or if i'm dead but yeah i've been super tired and out of it but uh thank you matt for the question because it is a very commit uh very very uh commit i can't speak commitment no what a memorable way oh, to okay. solve a problem that uh, isn't all about canceling. I do say, though, in the dream world I would live in, if I am dead, then PS Plus would not include multiplayer. It would only include game discounts and games. And Actually, dude, that's exactly... You know what it would be at that point? Humble Bundle. Well, but it but it would be PS Plus because actually it would go back to the, what the, the root of the system was. If I have to be honest, I was thinking about that earlier, right? I was thinking about what I wanted next week's topic to be. Speaking of Humble Bundle. And I was thinking about, you know, the state of PS Plus, but honestly, I didn't, we've, we've kind of talked about it here and there and even last episode we did. So in my mind, I think, you know, I don't know why Sony chose to go the way they did about it. Originally, the service was just to get free games, right? But, well, and a couple of small features like uh, backups, you know, cloud saves and whatnot, which I, th- I do think is important to have behind a paid wall. Uh, I think that they are obviously, which I think you could say the same multiplayer. They're obviously spending cold, uh, server money but this is what they could do they could try and do what they used to do with ps plus and make it just a really uh, i'm I'm gonna say an aggressive service you have it something that's really tantalizing for people so that a lot of people want to do it by getting free games and monthly things and and you could even lock a couple of features like share play and stuff behind it if you wanted to but say hey if you just want to play games online then you can do that for free but what you could do with that is for the people that do pay for PS Plus, you can allot a certain amount of the PS Plus uh, monetary pull in to go towards covering servers, and then you could essentially have the same thing. But the problem with that is by nature, if you don't make it that, then 
the PS Plus user rate would go down dramatically, and it would have an actually big impact on Sony's bottom line. Because yeah. whether we like it or not, part of what helps Sony get back into the black... We stepped into a war. The Cabal on Mars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, um, yeah, whether you whether we like it or not, it's essentially the problem of Sony getting back to the black and being in a healthy spot like they are this generation off of last generation's real terrible spot for Sony as a whole. It took a lot of work across Sony's entire divisions, you know, every single one of their divisions, but it also took PlayStation finding a way to continually make more money, and that's by selling a system at a profit uh, doing really well with their marketing to make sure people want to get into the system selling like crazy. And then also, of course, the bottom line they get to inject by saying, hey, we also have, you know, even if it's half the people who own a PS4, that's 40 million people or 45, 50 million people that are paying for PS Plus, and that's extra money to their bottom line. And it also does help cover the server costs. So for those that uh, don't it's know... It's a weird one. Yeah. For those that don't know, Humble Bundle is doing a uh, a thing right now for PS4 users. And the way that works is you essentially pick an amount and you pay for a game with that amount. And then there are other games that you can pick from that have add-on bonuses. So you can add on a dollar to get another game or $7 to get out of that pool or $15 to get out of this pool. So uh, it's very rare that PS4 stuff goes on the Humble Bundle stuff. So check that out. It's available for 19 more days as of July the 3rd. So you guys are good to go. Uh, last question up on Twitter is our good buddy Sean One Neo. He says... Very easy answer for this question. Would you trade in game with microtransaction slash loot boxes? We have another one, by the way. For Quickfire. Oh, yeah, that's right. I was leaving that one for last. Sorry, Derek. I'm going to get you last, I promise. He says, would you trade in a game uh, with microtransaction slash loot boxes for ads during loading screens? Most loading screens are still a splash screen. This could be used to cleverly uh, advertise a brand or coming events, website deals, and etc. I would want clips, though, as it would eat up more space. So would you rather have clips uh, or advertisements during your loading screens? Absolutely not. I would trade it in instantly. This is a really weird question, right? Because this goes back to exactly what you were just talking about of uh, a very different solution to a game, uh, to a, to another, to a problem that a lot of people don't like. So, you know, when you're looking at the situation in this, it's people hate microtransactions and loot boxes. There's, or there's a lot, there is a wealth of people that do, uh, and it could just be the very vocal piece of, people who are all hardcore gamers that we see and it's a little bit of an echo chamber. I don't think so though. I don't think that EA uh, gets so much flack as they do and gets voted the worst company in America just by a small group of people who are hardcore gamers. I think that across the board, most gamers see microtransactions as, as maybe sometimes okay, but gratuitous at its worst uh, and loot boxes the same, you know, it's just essentially gambling. And I think he is doing something interesting here by looking at a, it's funny, this is coming off of the hills of NBA 2K19 patching in a game, patching into the game after being on sale for $3, ads before games yeah. roll. And it's almost like they were trying to put the game on sale for $3, but then subsidize that sale by making everybody watch... Pay for ad money, basically. Ads. And yeah, it was really interesting. Is there something built into the game as long as you're online that sends that back and says how many people view that ad? I'm sure there is. And, I'm sure. and they pay them based off of that? Yeah. Is it just a one-time payment of, hey, everybody in the game has to see this? It's a weird situation, and I think that the bigger thing is the reason that it's 100% wrong in that game is that people bought that game without that expectation. On sale, yeah, on sale and not expecting it because it's not Regardless of what it was, the game was not purchased with the expectation for that to happen. And even if that's why it happened or not, we don't know, but it's a pretty obvious look that it's probably that. Now, in this situation, he's saying, would you knowingly have people say, no more microtransactions, no more loot boxes? That means no more pay-to-win 
or even the potential for pay to win. Instead, that means that loading screens are going to be now used for quick advertisements, very similar to the quick advertisements you see on YouTube that run run by and you know. Oh, I read that question wrong. Would you trade in game? I thought he was saying, would you trade a game in for doing no, no? That? Would you trade in game microtransactions? Absolutely. Okay, let me for go. ads during the loading screens. Okay, so that's absolutely. So think yes. about this way: I'm put it in your game. No, Destiny Two. Yeah, gets completely rid of Eververse. Yeah, there but is I have no to way watch to buy ads. It, but you you buy absolutely ads. not. I would rather watch the. I mean, I'd rather buy the Eververse stuff. It's customizable gear. It gives the devs money, especially after splitting from and a now, big publisher. That's one game. Yeah, and, and I will say and, that. And as long as it's not pay to win stuff, let's which, put it in a game that you don't love. If if what do you let, mean? Let's let's put the so same Fortnite, situation in a game that you don't of, care or about. Overwatch. Instead of getting boxes in Overwatch with skins, I got to watch Blizzard ads or something. Yeah, yeah, no. Okay. No, 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 I'm just making sure that you know. I pay for YouTube saying, Red. I hate ads. I do too. I, the only the only service that I actually tolerate ads on is Hulu, and that's only because of them having all the classical old shows on there, like Drake and Josh, mm-hmm. and I think they have Keenan and Kale. I know they have yes. all that. So yeah, there's a classics. lot of stuff, and they have Scrubs when no Cl- one else classics. has Scrubs. Yeah, right and, and Scrubs. Uh, so you put up with ads because it's impossible to watch it anywhere else. Yes. But let's go back to the thing of the reason this exists, and let's go back to the, the heart of the, of his question and why it would even be a question, is that what he's asserting by this is saying that in-game microtransactions and loot boxes essentially act as a way to subsidize the fact that games cost more than ever. And this is essentially what, and this is the publisher's bill, but some of it's probably true as well. Games cost more than ever to make partially because they put ridiculous budgets on them and put huge teams on them, get them out as quickly as possible. And then do copious amounts of advertising for the game itself, not game, not ads in the game, but advertising for the game itself. Um, They do all that. And they want to do these microtransactions and loot boxes so that, A, the games have a longer monetary leg to them. They stand up by making money over a longer period of time than just outside of their uh, their launch window, which is when most games make the majority of their money. Then you have some weird outliers like Nier Automata that continues to sell 1 million units over six months or whatever um, and getting it up to 3 million, even though it's been out for two years. Uh, it's odd that that happens. It's not really common that a game does that. Most of the time they see a really big sales Spike and then they go down from there and maybe get a couple a week if they're lucky. Um, But you know when you're looking at that, what he's trying to do is say, would you rather the games pulled and it has to be games that make sense in right? That's one thing. A game like Days Gone it doesn't make sense in, Uh, but a game like Overwatch it does. Now what gets weird about that is how is Overwatch more expensive to develop than a game like Days Gone? And I think that what gets it gets the meat of my problem with it is that if they were going to do that, I would I would almost want the game to be completely subsidized. It'd almost be like I'm going to rephrase the question for myself to an to a, to an extent. Let's put it in the shell of um, let's put it in the shell of how my uh, Warframe. Okay. Warframe is a game that's completely free. But it, entirely, the way it makes money is based off of people who love the game right. and pay for things either because they want the convenience of it where it does speed up things a little bit or because they just want to support the game by buying some of the cool-looking stuff. Right. So when you do that and it's a game that's 100% free, would you would you be okay with, and let's, let's even take the thing of trading in, let's just say that Warframe tomorrow said, we don't want to do uh, loot boxes or, or any kind of microtransactions anymore to support the game. Instead, the game will still be 100% free, but whenever you go to do load stuff, there'll be a small ad that plays. No. I, I still agree with that, but I do think that there's a large player base out there who literally play games like Warframe and whatnot, not only because they are good games, but because they're free to play, and that they would honestly probably be okay with that. Because in their mind, it would be very much similar to how me and you, who have the extra disposable income, go, 
I just like this game developer, so I'm going to spend the money because I like what they're doing and I want to support the project. I think the same thing would be happening with people who don't have expendable income. They'd go, well, it's a load screen anyway. Uh, go ahead and throw it up. And inadvertently, I get to just support the content that I'm playing that is yeah. otherwise free. I know people who do that on YouTube. I know people who have YouTube read and specifically log out when they're going to watch certain content creators because they wanted to. They're idiots because they wanted... YouTube Red pays them. Yes, but that was a, a thing before people realized that YouTube Red does pay. Yeah. Uh, and that, that has since stopped when people have done that. But there was a point in time where people really did just want to support content creators, uh, and I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, so that's yeah, kind of Yeah, cool. that's a good question. I definitely don't want advertisements I definitely at all, though. I agree with you, though. I just, I don't, I think microtransactions work because they're opt-in. Well, yeah, and Bungie kind of did it in a very... Very minor way compared to what we're talking about now, where if you logged into Destiny with this new weekly update, did you see that you had a thing pop up saying, if you buy this emote, you get a 15% off of a, of a book. Yeah, off of a book. But it's, it's their book, too. It's their, yeah, so it's it's their book. it's self-promotion? It's self-promotion in a way. It's like, hey, buy this $10 um, emote, you, you technically save... Uh, it was 15% on $30, so what is that? That's three, three fifty, four fifty on it, so yeah... Nah. Like, I mean, it makes sense. But for sense. people who wanted it. Yeah, you get the emo and you get 450 off for for technically, you know, yeah. saving 550 And again, like we're talking about, the group of people who do that and buy that, not because it's even that big of a deal that they get the emote, but more because the emote's cool enough to them and they are okay with a chance to give the developer something in return with something small. You know, it's like, ah, it's a way for me to give Destiny a little bit more money because I consider what they're doing to be good. And I think that Destiny 2 is going to be a really interesting example as they continue to go on of how well destiny does just off of support from people who are doing loot boxes and are not loot boxes. Cause destiny doesn't have those necessarily. Um, do or do they loot boxes in destiny? Yeah. I mean, you have the Eververse Ingrams that you can just, and you can just buy those, but you can also go yeah. buy the items specifically if you want to, right? Well, for the, for the newer stuff, you can, the year one Ingrams are all the older stuff that you can't obtain anymore. That That's was once for sale. Yes, but now you but now you get that entirely through the game. You don't have to even buy them if you don't want to. Yeah, yeah, you get those leveling yeah. up. You know, yeah. or you can go buy them. But you get, you get. I got three yesterday playing. Yeah, so, yeah, I get them often. Day before yesterday. Okay, well that gets to the point of what I'm saying though. It's like you know, it's going to be interesting to see if Destiny's support now that they're free of Activision and are making a lot of moves that the community seems to like are going to be more like Warframe where they're doing incredibly well. Uh, not even really worrying about the monetized side of things because Destiny does have that when Warframe doesn't. But Destiny 2 can do incredibly well just by people wanting to support them because they agree with the decisions that the company is making. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Sean, great question. Re weird one. And I'm actually really curious to see if anybody else is kind of in the space of not wanting to do that. But one thing I'll bring up before we move on is that I did tell him in response to the question, which we normally don't do, is that I do think it's an interesting idea and definitely for free-to-play games. Uh, but... The biggest thing is that with next gen coming and on the horizon so quickly and with us hearing word that Spider-Man, a game that would take nine seconds to load into one area now takes 1.8 seconds to load. I think it's going to be really oh, yeah. hard for this to be used in that sense as technology makes next gen load a lot quicker and load screens become essentially a thing of the past at that point, because it loads quick enough that there's not even a reason to put any image up. It just goes to black screen and is, is back. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's going to be interesting moving forward to do that. So I don't think, I, I think it's a situation that might would have worked in a solution that might would have worked if people were okay with it throughout this generation, but it's going to be gone next. Yeah. So our good buddy life 
reimagined on Twitter. His name is Derek, of course. Thank you, Derek, for the question. He He's says, a patron. He is a patron. So is Sean, and yeah. so are Matt, actually. Thank you all. Yes, thank you all. Uh, Nartech. Patreon.com slash Nartech. Um, <laughs> I was going to say Nartech uh, Gaming on Patreon, but no, it's just Nartech. Uh, quick fire, go. White or dark chocolate? White. White. Crunchy or smooth peanut butter? Smooth. Smooth. Disney or Pixar? Pixar. Disney. DC Comics or Marvel? I rescind my Marvel. Pixar. But yeah, um, uh, DC. Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones? Game or Breaking, Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad, hands I, down. They're both amazing shows. Android or Apple? Android. Android. Winter or summer? Winter. Winter. I Cam- hate the heat. Camping or resorts? Ooh. Resorts. Resorts, but camping can be fun. Yeah. Cities or countrysides? Cities. Um, that one's hard. Quick fire. Countrysides. Yep. Ba- baseball or basketball? Baseball. Basketball. Soccer or American football? Soccer. American football. I love me... Football season around the Super Bowl. It's a really fun time of the year. Moving well, on to on, Discord. Though. Soccer around the World Cup is really fun, but that's also only but, every But it is, it is real years. fun, but I will say that it is more fun during Super Bowl season for some reason. Watching, watching because the World Cup's way too many games to sit there and keep track of when the Super Bowl, you could technically go watch everything I, I involving the Super Bowl. Yeah. But I could just go watch the Super Bowl for four hours or whatever and get all the cool commercials. And you can essentially ignore the rest of the season yeah. if you want. Speaking to. of ads, the Super Bowl has cool commercials. <laughs> But uh, anyways, on to Discord we go. Oathkeeper Kiki says, how do you feel about Face My Fears being played at music festivals? And do you think the artists will remix more now that video game songs uh, and try to make them mainstream? So for those that don't know, Face My Fears is the newest pretty much theme song of Kingdom Hearts 3. Is if I had to call anything a theme song, that would be it. It was a re- uh, released with the last biggest trailer that we got. And uh, it basically was made with... Uh, hand in hand with Skrillex and um, someone else that U- I can't remember. Utada. Right? Well, no, it was Utada. But wasn't there a third person as well? Oh, uh, or was it just Skrillex and Utada? I think it was just Skrillex and Utada. Okay. Um, let me. Do, I'm gonna fact check myself. But for those that don't know, since Skrillex was involved, it uh, it did become a big thing at certain EDM festivals and stuff like that. And I do think that's the reason why, because Skrillex was involved. I don't really think. Um, I don't really think that most video game music, I mean, it, video game music is becoming mainstream now. So like where you, you go to certain videos on YouTube and it's always the same Lost Woods dubstep song. Have you heard that song? It's like, it's a, it's the same exact song, but it's just like sometimes in like vlogs or um, tutorials or whatever. Be, Lost Woods, you're talking about Zelda? Yeah. It'll be like passing the time and it'll be that song in the background, passing time or something. It's always the same uh, also, we did not answer the question that you asked me earlier. I was wrong, but we can answer that one in a little bit. We'll get up there. Okay. Um, um, let's see. I think it's pretty interesting. Now, it, it, here's the thing. Do you think more artists will remix more video game songs and try to make them mainstream? I think we've seen that already going on uh, with people like uh, Mega Ran and stuff like that. There are definitely a group of people who do this already. Uh, now, bringing it to the mainstream, it almost needed to be somebody like Skrillex because he has a massive, massive following. Uh, or Sonny Moore, as he is otherwise known. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't know. Because I may see it coming to the mainstream more, but what are the real lasting effects? I think that it would be 
why it, video games are bigger than ever. So I think you have a higher chance of this working in your favor. But the biggest thing going to be is like, if you're going to do this, it's because you want to do it and bring this to maybe even new people. And it's kind of an avenue for people to either who already love video games to hear video game music in a mainstream setting that's been remixed to a different version and love that. Or the other potential for it is an avenue to get people who do not know much about video games but love an artist to maybe look into the game and become a gamer because of it. It's kind of like a breeding between the two. Because if you're a gamer but you don't normally care for, uh, you know, whether you want to call it dubstep or EDM or whatever, and you don't care about that, but this may be your segue into EDM, that's all it really acts as. It's, yeah. One way or another, it's gonna it stands to be able to bring two different crowds into together. a different thing, yeah, if not it, already together. And there's of course a huge overlap of people who play games and listen to EDM. In terms of mainstream, but, I don't think I don't even think dubstep has been mainstream for the past couple years. Right? It has not. It um, is. It, it had its moment uh, with. Uh, <laughs> do you remember the Corn album, The Path of Totality, that was entirely with Skrillex? I don't like Pat. I don't like Corn. So, but. Uh, I know, but you do not remember hearing them on metal stations or even just in general on metal blogs, people listening to the corn, the shut the fuck up, get up. And it was all... It was it was literally an entire album. That sounds weird because it's like there's one there's one album of Skrillex that I liked. I don't know at all, but I assume it, I know which one you're talking I about. I actually owned it. I can't think of what it's called, but I've said His it before first on one, the show. The, uh... no, 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 no. No, it had Bangering on it. That's not the first album you had. Oh, um, isn't it like... It might be called Bangerang, actually. Fairies and or some. Sh- <laughs> I can't yeah, remember. I, I got it when it came out. I think it was like seven years ago, eight years ago. It's been so long ago. Hold um, on, it's on. But a couple of the tracks on that album actually sound really cool, almost like arcade music to me. So that's the only reason I really cared for it. Yeah, I think it's called Bangerang. You're right. But um, I worked in a um, shoe, like a skate skater shoe store. Journeys for those that are familiar with that one, and they played a lot. Scary of Monsters and Nice Sprites was the thing I was thinking. No, that's not a. It's not a bad album either. I'm not gonna say I hate it, but it's not. I don't like. I'm not gonna go seek it out to listen to it. Um, it looks like it's not even a full album. Are all of his things just EPs? I think so for the most part. Bangerang was a full album though. No, Bangerang just had five songs. What did it? That's what it looked like. You might be right. Um, it's like I said, it's been so long. Our next question up from El Chabib, good buddy of ours, says. Releasing the PS5 next spring will be a killer move by Sony with so many awesome games uh, in early 2020, including the Final Fantasy VII remake. It would put a PS5 in a very strong starting point and continued support all through 2020 with so many highly anticipated games being releases one after another. This would also give Sony developers even more time to come up with games for the next gen system. What do you guys think? I agree. I'm going to reread the question while you talk. Well, I, I, I missed something. I know it. Well, go, we'll just go ahead and reread the question because we can't both talk. Well, no, I'm just going to oh, reread oh, the question oh, okay. myself. <laughs> um, but I do, I agree. I think that especially the PS5 being backwards compatible with the PS4 is one of the best moves, if not the best move they could have done uh, on the system, in my opinion, because it adds that extra longevity to its life, um, longevity of its life that you could do. And since you have that, you're going to have every game in your library now. Just re-download them or, re- or just throw the disc back in and reinstall them, and you're good to go. And that includes these games. And I'm going to assume, with the way the PS4 Pro launched with boost mode, that PS5 will have some form of enhancement mode for PS4 games, I would assume. Can't say for sure. We don't know anything about that aspect of that console. But if they do, it will definitely be killer, as you say. It and does sound like, from the talk with Mark Cerny in the interview, that the PS5 
will have some form of looking at enhanced backwards compatibility. Yeah, we um, just don't know but what we still don't that know that entails. For sure. yeah. uh, we don't know if it's going to be 60 frames guaranteed, 1080p guaranteed, 4K guaranteed. We don't know. Uh, but I will say that the games that are coming out within this year and the games that are coming out within the early next year, you go into a console thinking, I'm wasting my money because there's there's two exclusives at launch, and then there's like three or four um, multi-platform games that are cross-gen releases. Well, now you get literally the best of both worlds with backwards compatibility. That's why I've been such an advocate for backwards compatibility is because for those that do want to trade in their PS4, you don't lose anything except you know some money to buy the new system. Go back, reinstall your old games. You couldn't install PS3 games on your PS4, so you literally don't lose anything. You, you only get benefits from this move. Um, unless I can't think of some some kind of negative. Now here here's my thing. The question all rests on the aspect of the PS5 releasing in spring. But I think from everything that we've seen, I think it's kind of confirmed that PS5 will be November, November. or at least holidays. Now Which, I, I do agree with your assertion that releasing the PS5 next spring would be a killer move. I think that'd be fantastic. I don't know if they'll be ready. I don't know if the. I mean, honestly, I I wish that they could be ready by then because you're right. You're coming off the heels of uh, Final Fantasy VII remake. Uh, depending on if Ashley, who's the voice actor for Ellie, whether or not her leak slash kind of weird tongue slip, uh, and whether her information was still right or accurate of The Last of Us Part Two releasing in February, um, you do get to that point where releasing with those big games and giving people the idea of like, well, I'm going to pick up the last of us too, but do I pick it up? Do I just buy it and play it on PS4 or do I go ahead and buy it and, and play it with the newly released PS5 where it'll look and run better guaranteed. Uh, and I think if you can give people that option, a lot of people will go ahead and step up and say, Hey, here we are. I'm going to go ahead and buy it on PS5 because it'll play better. I think the same will probably be true of games like uh, final fantasy seven remake where people will go ahead and choose to play them on the PS5. Um, as long as it came out close enough to them, uh, which, you know, if, if the last of us part two is in February and then you have uh, final fantasy in March, people who would w- be willing to wait two months to play the game. If the, if the system were to release in March or April, I think it would work. Uh, I just think that historically, I can't remember a time when a system released in that time frame. I think the weirdest thing I've ever seen released was a February release for the Switch. Do you remember that? Is that right? Yeah. March release for the Switch. Was it March? Okay. Yeah, I, March. I knew it was real early, so I didn't know if it was yeah. February or March. Uh, so it is weird, but it's not unfounded, and it's not impossible. And I do think that you're right. March because of Because of backwards compatibility being a thing, backwards compatibility makes it a really strong and easy way to go ahead and get people to do that because of the transitional aspects of it. People will be okay with it. Some people will sell their PlayStation 4 and go ahead and spend that money uh, and make the difference up for a PS5. Um, and I think that that's probably the best. I mean, outside of that, yeah, you have a solid 2020 outside of that, and it's not going to hurt PS4 necessarily. You're still going to get the game sales on the software side, just depending on which system you go on. And I don't know if Sony's really that worried about cutting into the PS4's lifespan with uh, something else that could pull sales away, because right now they're in the late stages of a PS4. It's all about selling to people who have never had one or are looking to get a second one at this point, not necessarily people who are going to be wanting to get a PS5. So, yeah, I think that if they did that, it'd be great, but I do think they're going to go ahead and stick with uh, Holiday as they normally would, which may be stronger depending on what the lineup of games ends up actually being next year and how they handle transitioning to the PS5. Great question. Yeah, great question, LGB. I'm going to go up real quick and get the one that we would have missed by uh, Josh. Josh asked a couple of questions. We'll get those all out of the way so we don't forget any of them. Saul? Can love bloom even on a battlefield? I don't know what he meant by that. I know there's a saying, can love bloom on a battlefield, but I'm just going to say no. 
I think yes. Uh, and the reason I say that is because it's not necessarily two-sided. Um, and I know the question was aimed at you, but quickly, and I think I can make you see why it is possible. Um, have you ever seen like events where you're uh, not going to convince me because spies are on the battlefield and I'm going to believe that that girl is a spy. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you that right now. I'm going to cut you off and say, no, I will not. So believe you know you. where I was going with it. It's, it's, an, enemy, it's, it's the a, people that you're doing stuff with. You, you tend to gain a bigger. Under, you, and it doesn't have to be romantic love. No, it's a recon intel. They're going to stab me while I sleep. Why can't it just be a friendly love? Nope. No, because that's how spies work. They're going to get you for all of it, not just part of it. They're not going to be friends with benefits. They're going to try to wife you and husband you. No, no. I've been to war before. You have non-flashbacks? <laughs> all right, here we are. Objectively, who would you guys say is the best villain in the mainline Final Fantasy series? And then Kefka. subjectively. Uh, I, Josh is a big fan of these objectively and subjectively ones. Yeah. Uh, objectively, uh, probably Kefka. Kefka. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. Uh, subjectively. Sephiroth. Oh, hold on, hold on. I'm going to pull that back. Objectively, Sephiroth. Subjectively, Kefka. There's a reason I say that. Go on. Okay, so objectively, I look at it like this one. Who's the best villain? When you look at these things, you have to look at more than just how well the villain was written and how well they were used in the game, which is a huge part of it, but it's also about how iconic they are and how much people know them. So very similar to my reasoning as to why I think that the theme one wing angel is actually objectively the better of the two because when you of, look at those it's because, it's because people know them it, it's way more iconic for as good as six is and i know that it's a lot of people's favorites and it was a lot of people's starting point weirdly enough um but i do think when you go to look at it that way you do get down to the point where more people have this iconic connection and when they see sephiroth they know who he is and objectively i think that does make him the better villain because Better isn't always about who was the best at something. It's about who was the most memor- memorable or remembered person who did it. Um, and that's just kind I'm of the way it think, goes. I'm trying to find the name of the attack that Kefka can do. Because I can't remember it for some reason. But anyway, yeah, subjectively, I think Kefka. I think he's a very well-written character. I think the the what the story's trying to even do with him is pretty interesting. I like how the story kind of lets you think that one person's the bad guy for a long time before kind of letting you see who's going to be the main bad guy. There's a lot of great ways that they did those things. And I appreciate that. And I also think that because Sephiroth going back to him, he's had multiple games to be fleshed out even further where Kefka had one to really, really cement himself. Um, when you go to look at that, it's just, uh, I, I think that a lot of people will view Sephiroth as a very well done character because they made him a better character in crisis core by going back and giving you a little bit of a backstory as to why he is where he is and giving you a reason as to why you feel for the where he got, you know? So what is the name of the attack that even Sephiroth can do? But it was, it, it came first in six. Um, I even want to say it has to do with one winged angel. I don't think so. I mean, Kefka signature attack. Because I'm, I'm gonna say that's why he's objectively the best is because that just because his attack was cool. That no, I'm gonna say that attack <laughs> it like the way the attack worked was really cool because uh, it brought everybody down to one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mechanically, yeah. Okay, yeah. I know. But um, not only that, but he was just crazy. He had no care in the world for anybody. Uh, hey. While Sephiroth was more tragic of a story. Yeah. But Definitely when they think, fleshed him out more. Yeah, oh, um, yeah. But yeah, you're, you're right. What this is, what I'll say Kefka is essentially the Final Fantasy series Joker. And I think the Joker is is the best villain from um, the, the Marvel. I mean, the Marvel, the DC, the DC comics realm. Uh, I think, and are definitely he's the best villain for Batman. Uh, I, I 
Don't know about DC as a whole, because there's plenty that I haven't you know, dabbled in. But yeah, I, I think that the Joker is a good character because of how crazy they, they kind of are and how off the wall they are. Um, so yeah. They're unpredictable. While, while Sephiroth, like the only one part in which it was unpredictable was... Don't say it. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, I can't. <laughs> yep. Here we are. It was... Okay, I'll say you this much. Nibelheim. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's see. Let's go back down. I think there's one more here. Uh, if you were... And this is also from Josh. If you were to have a romantic evening home and wanted to make your lovely wives a nice dinner, assuming cost is not an issue, what would you make for them and how would you S- screw set you. the mood? Screw you, Josh. I'm hungry right now. This is going to make me more hungry here. So it depends uh, what I'm in the mood for. A nice bowl of ramen noodles. <laughs> That's disgusting, first of all. If you, well, it depends on how you make hold it. Hold on. First um, of all, you like ramen noodles. That's why I even said I, it. Hold up. No, because the way you say it makes it sound like I'm going to take one of those 99-cent ramen. No, no and just I know it. you do more. I make it fancy, first of all. But what I would probably do, we would probably watch a movie after dinner because um, we're boring people but we like it so that's kind of our groove there is watching a good movie but I will say like for dinner itself probably make our barbecue burgers that I really that I really like and, and enjoy making which is a very simple burger it's it's um oh wow I can't think of the, the mixture now it's like 85% chuck 15% brisket uh beef and you form it nice together, uh, throw some salt, pepper on it, lots of salt, lots of pepper on it, and then you throw it on a, uh, we don't have a cast iron skillet, but you throw it on a, um, a skillet on the oven, uh, and you let that get nice and good, and while that's cooking, uh, right before it's done, what I like to do is I like to take uh, buns, throw them face down on a pizza pan, throw them into the oven at 350 for five minutes to get those nice and toasted, and... Uh, take mayonnaise uh, and um, one of our hot sauces that we have called um, El Yukitli. Uh, I, I can't even pronounce it. it. It's like I can say it in my mind, but I can't say it out loud. El U. El U. It's it's a it's a uh, Caribbean hot sauce. Um, El Yukipito. <laughs> I don't know. Yucateco, El Yucateco. I don't know why I can't say that without having to read it. But yeah, I took, we took a bottle of El Yucateco and we take mayonnaise and we make a little bit of a mixture, a little spicy mayonnaise mixture, throw that on there uh, when, the, when the buns come out of the oven. And then we take uh, bacon, we set those on the burger while they're on the uh, skillet. And then something I don't, I don't think I've ever seen done is you take the cheese and you put the cheese on top of the bacon and the in the burger and it melts over the bacon in the burger. Oh yeah. I've seen that done. I don't, I, I can't account when I've very, seen it done. Very few places, but I've seen it done and it's good. I like it. What, uh, what, what is really good about that is that cheese being, if you get good cheese, we don't use craft singles. What we use is, um, it's a red brand. <laughs> Throwing shade at my cheese. I'm kidding. Uh, it's, there's a, it's a, well, are you talking about individual cheese slices? Because even then, unless you're messing with getting an actual block of cheddar and slicing, no, the no, no, off it's and different. Like that. It's different though. Cause these are actually thick slices, which is what's required, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, it starts with an S. It's it's a brand I think I've seen. Your cheese sticks are. No, my cheese sticks are like the Frisco or whatever. Oh uh, well, it's it's we take pepper jack and we throw pepper jack on top of the bacon. Yeah, and then you can a, get good pre-sliced cheese. I was just messing by the way. No, I know. But uh, but by the time that cheese starts to melt, the burger's about done. But the cheese forms this nice uh flat surface with mm-hmm. little grooves in the in the bacon basically, and then you throw barbecue sauce on top of it, and then you scoop it out and you put it on the bun. You're good to go. 
and then we have that. We have fries that um, I have. Actually, I've made a seasoning dust for my fries, and we put our fries in the air fryer while we're cooking the burger. Brett? Okay, Hannah doesn't like burgers, even though I do, and I love them to death. Or she likes them, but not like I do. So it wouldn't be like a situation where I'd go through that. Because what I would say is I would do my classic cheese-stuffed burger, cooked medium, which is amazing. Uh, do cheese on top of it with bacon. And then for the buns, you take two artisan-cooked grilled cheeses, and you slap them on the top and bottom. Um, you have a heart attack by the And you have a heart attack, but it's so good. Uh, but what I would probably do, and this is going to sound ridiculous, cost is not an issue. I'd want to have fun. So we would cook together like we always do whenever we do something like that. And I would make my pizza roll casserole. Uh, classic. <laughs> it's good. And it, again, everything I want to cook, it just makes you, A, it goes to show you I don't know how to make anything myself. Uh, and B, it's all this crazy stuff that we've done. Every cooking, every recipe and justin said i have quotes, weird taste in, in quotes, food every, i'm over here making a relatively normal burger this man's over here making pizza roll casseroles yeah so every normal relatively normal recipe that we have uh or i say relatively normal sorry every quote recipe that we have is me doing ridiculous stuff uh and kind of just rolling with it uh so i would do cheesecake oh, cheesecake <laughs> pizza roll casserole i'm hungry too i'm over here hyping now, myself I am, up. Uh, my mouth is watering Okay, so here's how you do pizza roll casserole. You get a big casserole dish, glass. Uh, you put, you buy a big thing of whatever pizza roll you want to do. If you want to do pepperoni, you can. If you want to do three cheese, you can. With three cheese is better because you're going to put pepperonis on it elsewhere. Uh, so what you do <laughs> is you take your pizza roll and you, ha you buy a Jesus. huge bag of them. You do a bed of them across the bottom of the casserole dish. Uh, and then it's also, I call it pizza roll lasagna sometimes. Anyway, then what you do why are all Kiki's quick fire questions food? Oh, I'm man. More You're killing me. Anyway, and actually, I'm even saying this for Kiki because I said something about pizza roll casserole for him before, and he was like, what? It sounds amazing. So glass casserole dish, pizza rolls on the bottom. Pizza roll, so a layer, a layer of pizza roll. Then what you do is you take a nice, and you got to get a high-dollar one. It's going to be good. Depends on which one you're going to go with. If you have your own specific one that you like, go with the, I prefer sweet. It helps because the pizza rolls are savory. Go with a sweet marinara. Oh, uh, yeah, great value brand. Oh God, no! Or go even, or get a really high end pizza sauce. They're both really good, and they're and typically they tend to both be sweet. I, I've never even bought that's those why I stick with both of those. Uh, but do a. <laughs> I'm gonna get real drunk when I make this. I'm gonna send up. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. And so anyway, you get you a good marinara this sauce like on the sweeter food, side. You pour it over the top. You take shredded cheddar. And you, and I'm sorry, not shredded cheddar, shredded mozzarella. Uh, okay, I was like, and, what? Yeah, sorry, <laughs> shredded mozzarella. You sprinkle over there. the top, and then you buy pre-sliced or. It's even better if you actually buy a full thing of pepperonis and slice them off yourself. Nah. Anyway, uh, cover it all that. Do another layer, and you essentially do that going all the way up. And then, the very top, you do your final little layer, and you put some breadcrumbs on the top to give you a little bit of a flaky texture on the top. And then you bake it at 350. For... And then you bake it at 350 for about 15, 20 minutes. Now, the pizza rolls are done, right? What do you mean? Are they cooked before you put them in the dish? No. Okay. You put them in there frozen. Um, well, I was about to make a major mistake when I made this. <laughs> and it sounds dumb, but essentially tying the cheapness of the pizza rolls together, and you can do what you want to with the cheese and the sauces and, and even the toppings, actually. I've thought about putting other toppings in before and just seeing how crazy I can go with it. Um, but it's weirdly good, and it doesn't taste like what you think, which is just a bunch of pizza rolls. It's like the sauce inside the pizza rolls that are kind of in there with the cheese and stuff all kind of goes together, and it works really well. Uh, another crazy thing that we would do as our side option is another stupid thing I came up with called taco sauce, which you've had. <laughs> oh, yeah. These you take good. giant crescent rolls, 
uh, the big ones, the big tubes. You roll them out. Then what you do is you cook taco meat and you take, uh, you know, uh, Fiesta blend cheese, shredded cheese, put taco meat in there, Fiesta blend cheese on top. Uh, and if, depending on what else you like, if you like sour cream and stuff, you can do all that if you want to. Then essentially you take them and you fold it all together and then press the sides so that you get a little empanada style thing and you bake it. And it comes out as a taco sign. It's just like a little taco filling field thing with a crescent roll outer thing that's soft and really buttery and delicious. Oh, and you can also brush them with butter. That helps a lot. Makes them a little more flaky and garlicky really... butter. If you, if you garlicky butter would be pretty taste. good actually. Uh, uh, I haven't done that, even but I've done Mexican butter and garlic. Brush. It's kind of yeah, weird it contrast. Yeah, I'll say it's, it it's bread and garlic. Um, so yeah, that there we go. And then we would probably end up watching a movie and do the thing where we constantly have to move arms because we have this stupid thing in here. But it ends up working out. Oh. We lay across each other and move around a whole bunch. Kiki actually asked a question that's up next, but I'm not going to answer that question on the show, Kiki, because we are banking uh, episode titles, or not titles, but episode topics that are going around the PS5, and this is actually one that I know for sure is going to get brought up. So instead of answering it here, what I'm going to do is we're going to put that into this potential topic, uh, and we'll, we'll be sure to credit you as the creator of that topic for that episode because it is a good topic. And for those that are curious, it is about, uh, if you're not in our Discord who haven't read it already, it is about what is our ideal PS5 video game line launch up or, or video game line, video game launch, launch lineup. lineup. Jesus. But he comes in strong with that quick fire questions as always. And his quick fire questions are good. Let's go. Breakfast or no breakfast? I prefer breakfast, but nine times out of 10, I no don't breakfast is a quick fire. No eggs or pancakes, pancakes. Actually, no eggs. eggs. I don't know what I'm thinking. Pork bacon or turkey bacon? Pork, Pork bacon. bacon. Uh, white or wheat bread? Wheat bread. What about scrambled or over easy eggs? Oh, yeah, I missed one. Scrambled or over easy eggs? Over easy. Yeah, over easy. White, white or wheat bread? Wheat. Yep, there you go. Macaroni salad or potato salad? Neither. <laughs> Macaroni without the salad. Mashed potatoes <laughs> and baked potatoes? Uh, baked potatoes. Mashed potatoes. Hot dogs or hamburgers? Hamburgers. Hamburgers. Cookie dough or cookies from scratch? Cookie oh, uh, cookies from scratch. Pumpkin pie or apple pie? Pumpkin pie. Apple pie, you're nasty. Ice cream or apple frozen Apple pie, yogurt? if you have ice cream. <laughs> or ice a slice cream of cheddar yogurt. cheese on top. <laughs> what? You never heard that? No. Yeah, apple pie. And now apparently... I know why Justin thinks you have weird No, 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 no. This is not me. This is not me. I don't, I don't, I've never tried this, but it's like you take a slice of sharp cheddar, you put it on top of your apple pie. Okay. It's very common. Apparently. Ice cream or frozen yogurt? So. Ice cream. Ice cream. Organic or conventional? Conventional. It depends on what assume... he means. If he's talking about organic food stuff, I actually do think a lot. when it's actually organic, it tastes better. So I'm gonna say organic. Yeah, conventional. If I can pop that shit in the microwave in two minutes, that's good. Gas or electric stove? Electric. Gas. Barbecue. My, my or... whole house is gas. Yes, I'm all gas. Barbecue or oven? <laughs> Barbecue. <laughs> Barbecue or oven? Barbecue. It's weird to hear that word used in that sense. I know. What I'm gonna assume he means is grill. That's uh, what he means. Cook or burn? Cook. Cook. <laughs> Garden or farmers market? Farmers market. I think he actually meant, do you cook or do you burn? Like, when you cook, do you burn stuff? I don't know, though. We'll cook. Say. I don't think I've ever burnt anything. Yeah, neither. Well, I burnt steaks once. And he threw one of those Easy Mac uh, cups in the microwave without any water in it. Oh, Lord. Our entire apartment smelled like burnt macaroni for Woo! like three days. Oh, I say a garden or farmer's market. Farmer's market. Farmer's market. GMOs, good or bad? Good. They taste Indifferent. good. Indifferent. I mean, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know anything about it to care. Um, or to have a statement on it, really. Game of Thrones or Glee? Game of Thrones. I've not watched Glee at all, and I've watched a season of Game of Thrones, so I guess Game of Thrones. America's Got Talent or American Idol? America's Got Talent because there's more uh, options. Like, there's more d diversity. Yeah, I was going to say America's Got Talent because that can actually do talent shows versus American Idol's only singing, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Simpsons or Family Guy? 
Simpsons. South Park. That too. That's not been there. Mickey Mouse, I'm going to say Simpsons because that's more close to... Uh, okay, I'll say something that's close to Simpsons. And that is... Um, oh, Lord. Well, if that's the case, Futurama. I'm going to say something close to Futurama. Family Futurama. Guy. It's at least made by no, the same I'm guy. Gonna say, I'm going to say Matt Groening. I'm going to say the same person... Uh, wait. Matt Groening made... He made both. Yeah, okay. But David X. Cohen is a big part that, of... That's what I'm yeah. thinking of. Um, Futurama. So. But I'll say something close to Family Guy that is better than all of these combined. That's Bob's Burgers. Um, Mickey Mouse or Dorothy... by the same guy. I didn't say it was. I said close yeah, to family guy. Yeah, but at least mine was about the same guy. Yeah, they both have families in them. Uh, they're both dumb. But Of the two, if I have to choose family guy, I don't really like either of them that much. But I like Simpsons more so, but yeah, I like what he said. I don't really like... If I'm going animated adult humor, Bob's Burgers. South Park. Uh, or I me mean South Park. Yeah, they're tied for me. Mickey Mouse or Dora the Explorer? <laughs> Mickey Mouse, I guess, because you know Kingdom Hearts. Mickey Mouse. <laughs> I can't do that. Nope. SpongeBob <laughs> better, or but... Patrick? Ooh, this one's hard. SpongeBob, because SpongeBob... SpongeBob, man. SpongeBob. That's a good one. Tales of or Final Fantasy series. He's asked this before. Final Fantasy series. Uh, Final Fantasy. And that's just because Tales has had waning. Yeah. yeah. Actually, that's true of both of them. Waning. I still want to play Tales of Heart R so bad. Probably. But, uh, you know. Anyway. Tales of Symphonia has a special place in my heart. Crash the Animal asks, if you could have a TV show made into a video game, what show would it be and what style of game would it be? What would, excuse me, what would be some of the tech you would want to employ that would make this game? Successful. Scrubs, Surgeon VR. <laughs> That's actually a good one. <laughs> Scrubs. But, with, but hold on. Would there be a story mode? Is that how you're going to work the Scrubs yeah, aspects into com- it? Complete with JD, uh, Zach Braff coming back for voice acting. Turk! And, and Dr. Cox. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and emotional storylines in which if I kill somebody, there's like a branching fleet of storyline. It's like, sure. So this is going to be a weird answer for me because it's not something I have just a ton of care for. Uh, but if we're talking about TV shows specifically and not going into animated realm, I'm going to stick with normal TV shows. normal TV shows, uh, not anime. It's going to be really weird. Uh, game of Thrones and what type of video game it would be it would be a Witcher 3 style open world Western RPG. And what the tech I would use to go into it would be very similar to what The Witcher 3 did. It would be essentially taking the people who made The Witcher 3 and just putting it into Game of Thrones. And here's the reason why. I know enough about Game of Thrones, which is very odd, even though I've only watched the first season. I know here, here and there stuff, and I know areas where they definitely failed to deliver that they could have done more with. Uh, and I think that one of the things they could do to make this work out so well would be essentially to dive into all of the lore that's lightly brushed on and talked about in the show but never fully explored, being able to go back and see more about the White Walkers and everything that happens there. And I that'd think be cool. that'd be a great way to do it. And you could actually even uh, know one thing. You can make the, the oh, Lord, what's his name? The uh, main White Walker dude. What do you mean? Like the actor's name? No, the character. Is he, is he called the White oh, Walker the or whatever? King. The Night King. Thank you. I was about to say, um, I, I was the, just skipping on it. That anyway, name's like Vladimir. You could make him into a far better, uh, or actually, you know, it'd be really cool. The whole origin story of how the White Walkers even came to be. Game of Thrones Battle Royale. Go into that. <laughs> Everybody's a White Walker. Everybody flies besides on, one person. Actually, that would be pretty dope. Nobody's made a Battle Royale game where you're flying on dragons. No with swords and shields. But there are dragons appearing in Apex Legends. Ew. I don't know why. Next question. We have our good buddy El Chabib. Once again, he says, console war is at it again. Word on the internet seems that the PS5 is more powerful than Project Scarlet. And then he says in parentheses, not sure where people are drawing their info from. Nevertheless, with the talk about processing power, memory, drive size, etc., do you think that it matters anymore in this day mm-hmm. and age? Do you think this has decreased the importance as the years have gone by? Do you think it is its niche? 
So to go one by one, I'm going to go with does it matter any more in this day and age first. If the specs are close, it's not going to matter. Yeah, I it's agree with that. minimal return. You're not going to see. It, it kind of comes down to that thing that I've said is like if you're looking at a 2K screen and a 4K screen side by side, you're going to notice a difference. If you're looking at the same image, if you don't have those side by side, you it's going to be hard for you to retain the differences in your mind. And be able to point out like, oh, yeah, that screen had this on it and that screen had this on it. It's hard. It's not something that you that you even have like reason to do. Um, they both look good, you know, and you have them. That's what matters, and that's what these consoles are. They're both going to do good. They're both going to play well. They they should both function well, being made by you know Microsoft and Sony. Therefore, they should have hardware failures and stuff like that. But we'll see. But yeah, I do think that it doesn't matter as much as it has. Um, Having now, I think what he means is in general. Do let's take it away from the console war side completely. Does it matter at all talking about these things in general? You know, does do do you think that people even care about that stuff anymore, or is it just about no, the results? I don't think. It, I, I think it's just about the games at this point. Honestly, it's about the exclusives. I think so. it's about the results too, though, because I do think it's a it's fair to say that for as much as it's about exclusives, a lot of that still rests in the fact that Sony's exclusives are not only, you know, revered by their story and their content in that way, they're also constantly looked at as by the fact that they are able to push these consoles so so damn far yeah. when others aren't you know there's not been a single game on the xbox one that looks at all like detroit becoming i just human. think we actually you know just, what I mean? we actually just answered all of those questions <laughs> do you think that this has a decreased importance the years gone by yes that's kind of what we were talking about so we did answer that one and do you think it has its niche which is actually Absolutely. what brett just said yeah i think that it does um i will say though that like I hate saying this because it sounds all high and mighty. People need to understand that, like, you're not going to see any new tech out of these consoles. That's not something like that new SSD we're supposed to get because you can go play these games on PC at the same things. Like, I think that, and that's the big problem right now is that since we don't understand the SSD, it's hard to say about that one. But yeah, outside of that, yeah, everything out, you can do on PC now if you just right want to now, spend enough money. Yeah, um, and even then, it's gotten significantly. Did you know that 32 gigabytes of RAM is only 140 dollars now for yep. 32 megahertz? Yep. I paid I paid that much for sixteen like a year ago. Yeah. Um so RAM's finally dropping down. Your boy's about to get RGB thirty two gigabytes here in a second. I actually about to go ahead and upgrade my whole PC. Um minus my case. But uh yeah, so thank you, LGB, for the question. I think that yep. we're gonna expand more on this naturally as we get closer and closer with more information coming out. Stefan Swanland, a Patreon, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Says thank you. Xenosaga Trilogy is greater than Xenogears is greater than Xenoblade Chronicles is greater than Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is greater than Xenoblade Chronicles X. What is your order? Xenoblade um, Chronicles 2. That's the one I played. Okay, I played uh, 2. I played part of 1. Didn't get to beat it, sadly. I did play the Xenosaga Trilogy way back in the day. I didn't play Xenogears either. I think Xenogears was when the system, when the game returned to PS2 after a little bit of a wait, and they kind of did that name shift. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to say for the games that I have definitely played, uh, I, I agree with your order of what I played, except for... I'd be really curious to see if Xenoblade Chronicles X is actually worse than Xenoblade Chronicles 2 because Xenoblade Chronicles 2, and I know I'm going to make some people mad when I say this, that game is not very good. I'm going to give it another try because I don't, other than the stale I played 12 battle hours, system. And maybe that wasn't enough, but... Well, th- my big problem with it was the stale battle system. Incredibly but I, I was stale. watching and I didn't video, like the video. You didn't, it felt like you didn't know when you were supposed to attack next because it wasn't... 
that, even that, as you kept going, it's like the game never really gave you a good cue as to when you're supposed to go that I don't based off of time. But uh, I was watching a video the other day, or it was actually somebody talking about mm -hmm. um, PS5-related stuff, and they were playing that in the background. I'm like, that game does not look the same as what I played, and it looked way more stuff going on in advance. So and Later in the game, I know that there's a... How far did you get into it? 20 hours, you think? I think so, yeah. 25, I, I, I didn't maybe. get as far as you. I know that. I, but this is going off of like... Road trip time, which on the way to Dallas is the day I picked it up, and I played it for three hours there. What? Are we, oh, touchpad. But um, yeah. So I would say a modest twenty hours, but I spent a lot of time on the ship when you first got on the airship and stuff like that. So I really, I don't. It's weird with the JRPGs on how that can correlate. I want somebody to know, uh, or who's played Xenoblade Two uh, or Chronicles Two. Let me know where that stood in your playthrough and how far should I like give it? Cause like everybody says Final Fantasy 13 needs to be played for 30 hours. That's not true. That's over-exaggerated. It's like 15 hours, but you know, well, it needs to be played for roughly 20 something hours to get say, to where it opens up. I would say that's 15, the argument. Most people use. Yeah. I would say 15 to 20 hours is in that time frame. It's not 30. I don't think it's 30. When the game opens up, it doesn't open up until like the last 10% of the game. Well, and that game is pretty long. Of the game either. It's about 25% of the game. It's not, It's been a long time. It's man. about twenty hours. But I mean, I thought the, that game story is around thirty hours, isn't it? So I'd say I, I want to say you're within. You're in the twenty hour. Maybe mark. it's just been that long since I've played. It's been it. it's so been long, real long, it. dude. I mean, it's been. Uh, I think it came out a decade ago, right? For the original release. Oh God, I don't remember. Was it two thousand nine? But I know that I played. And then eleven, it. and then thirteen for Lightning Returns. I think that sounds right. That does sound right. Well, does it sound right? They were always eighteen months apart. Whatever it was, uh, I know that much. Did this game come out on the on on the Switch? What thirteen? Yeah, two thousand nine for that one. No, thirteen didn't come out on the Switch. <laughs> Why did that pop up as predictive Twix? Okay, that's just it just people wanting a port. Twix. I guess. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, Kiki says, "Tell me if I should replay the game whenever I do pick up a Switch." Is what I would say because I didn't. Yeah. I wasn't feeling it. Yeah, that's my thing too. Kiki says, "Would you like you if you met you?" I love this question. I think inherently everybody's answer is yes. I, I don't know. I think that the selfish side of people want people to believe themselves. Trying to look at this as closely as removing oh, my I, own bravado and like. I know, like, if I met somebody as cynical as me, which I'm working on, I'd be like, man, that dude's annoying. But boy, is he funny. See, that's. Because <laughs> it's the dark, it's the edgy humor that gets me. See, that's the thing is, I think that everybody wants to immediately say yes. I think, and I don't mean that I would love me, but I think would I like well, me enough to be relatively at least an acquaintance or friend with me? I do think yes. You would literally have every feeling, but about I think that everything in common. It'd be like a match made in heaven for best friends. But it would be whether or not you're going to know each other down the road if if you stay friends. It's like a That's what a was point. that? What was that movie called? The Disney Channel movie. Um, what where he made a clone of himself? Yeah, I can't remember what it was called either. But that movie was dope. It when was. I was a kid. It had uh, the, the youngest Lawrence brother in it. Who was yeah, also in horse. Sense, I can't remember his name had all either. Three but... of the Lawrence brothers in it. Uh, me is it? Me too. Oh, yeah, I think you might be right. Actually, I, I don't know. I don't think it is. It's Tui. No, it's not me, too. It's Tui was the kid's name. Was the name of the, um, was the name of the character. Here we are. Disney movie where kid clones. The other up. me. The other me. Yeah, yeah, and his name is, his name is Tui, uh, which is why I thought Tui for some reason. But, uh, yeah, so, it, you know, it's kind of a toss-up. I like his next question. Though. Well, I think of it more in the 
remove your your remove everything about you away from the equation and just say you were a normal random person and you just met somebody and you didn't have all your own personality traits looking at your personality traits through someone else's eyes do you think that a normal person would uh, uh, the the average person would like you i mean I, yeah I think that like because there's always going to be somebody that dislikes everybody. That's yeah, one that's thing. that's me. But um. <laughs> or that, there's always going to be someone that dislikes any one person. Right. Every person has somebody that dislikes. Yeah, them. and I think Multiple generally, generally, do. if like we're hanging out with somebody, you know, the, we we open up with each other more since we know each other, which is why Brett could see true cynicism from me. But even though that does come out <laughs> in other ways, that's true. Um, well, that's a love base. Describe your sex life with a movie is also another uh, question Kiki answered. Asked now, I don't know if these are meant. No, they're not meant to be quick fire because they're too far apart. I got one that's funny. I me too. Me myself and Irene. I was gonna say the other me because we're just talking about it. <laughs> well, I was just gonna say because my wife's not even named Irene, but it also says that I'm pleasuring myself too much. That oh, was man. just more of a joke. Oh, let's see. You know, I'm sticking with that one. It's funny. Yeah, I will too. It and that goes back. Hannah in. watches this. Who the Irene. I don't think anybody already named Irene. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kiki with another question saying, do you guys think next gym games will be $70? No. I do, actually. I, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't. I'm not against that. I just don't think it will be. It's hard to say. It is hard. It is really hard They've to held say. off on raising the price now for two generations. The, the PS2 games were $50. When the PS3 came, they, fi they finally decided to move them up by 10 bucks. And I think that moving them up by 10 bucks is palatable, but there are definitely people that it's going to be a problem for. So it's hard to say. I think that the average game will be $70, but I think this goes towards my thing of wanting to see more flexible pricing. So I think that... We'll see a, a lot of games stay at that uh, $40 value price kind of where they they understand what they are and that they're not very long, but they got pretty good production value. So they're like a they're AAA games, but they don't have like multiplayer or a lot of replayability. So they put themselves in that $40 area like Ratchet and Clank did, like we've seen Record do on Xbox's side. I think that you'll see more flexible pricing from games. And what I may even think you may see is certain games – uh, at some point in time in next gen, some people might even experiment with what it would be to make a game on the Witcher three scope and say, we're going to charge a hundred dollars for, it. um, yeah. That and I think experimenting now, who knows if it'll work and who, what, how people are feel about it. Be hundred dollars. But yeah, I mean, you never know. We'll they get away with it. I'd bought crash the animal. Good buddy, Corey, patron of ours. He says, tell us two interesting facts about yourselves that you have not said over the course of the show. I do not know how that's going to work. I don't remember everything I've said on the show. Therefore, everything could be potentially missaid. Yeah, I think I know two that I've never talked about. My very first car cost two hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, that car had over ten flat tires within the first year of having it. Okay, uh, I was born in Hawaii. I don't think I've ever talked about. It's that. always funny because your older brother always said he was born in Hawaii, but your older brother was jealous of where you were born. He was born in South Carolina. No, he said Hawaii. I know, but I'm just like. That's not like, at least he wasn't born here like Alyssa was. <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying he, he was jealous of where you were born and tried to steal it. So oh, born, well. born in Hawaii. That's just, that's brotherly things. Okay, I was born in Hawaii, and let's see. What's another fun one? I don't want them to both be about my, my like, being born. Because I, I technically, one thing I know I've never said on here is that I was born with a hernia. But, you know, that's not fun. Let's do something different. Um... <laughs> I, it just says interesting facts about yourself. Um, my first band has no music at all ever outside of anything. No, it, no it does. 
Huh? Is it Fall no, Elite? No, it's a. Oh. It was my first band with uh, Nick Johnson, or not Nick Johnson, Nick uh, Lord. What is his name? Is it Nick Johnson? How am I forgetting names? It's Nick Johnson, right? Yeah, yeah, that's his name. No, I hold remember. on. No, no, it's not I, Nick I Jeffrey. There we go. Nicholas Jeffrey. His name is also not it's not NIK. My bad. Look, I'll just show you. Look, my brain doesn't function right. Anyway, the band was called Catastrophic Thoughts. We were edgy seventh graders. We played here and there, but we never put anything out. Man, I wonder how he's doing lately. Who knows? Second question from good buddy Corey. He says, which is your favorite type of show to do? Traditional Triangle Squared, Reader Mail, Dickish at Best, Impressions, Saw Plays, or the E3 Watch Alongs? It's a good question. Honestly, E3 Watch Alongs is my favorite. Um, it is a very... Is it tied into the fact that it's E3 at the It's same exciting, time? yeah. Exciting type of year, and reaction videos are fun to do. But Dickish at Best is by far the best. Dickish at Best. And there's a reason. I love Reader Mail because it, gets cl- it, it brushes up close to what we do yeah. with Dickish at Best. But I'm actually really excited to get to the point where on Dickish we can throw in a fourth person because there's something that's fun about the kind of chaos that comes with three people in. You can talk about anything and do so without even having to have a question prompt you toward it. Though questions sometimes are interesting. I wouldn't have thought about, hey, tell us two interesting facts about yourself. Yeah. But, you know... I think that it's also, I don't have to restrain myself at all. We just make jokes and say stuff that we normally would. And that's not saying that I'm not myself in Triangle Squared, but I'm the version of myself that I use in any situation, being on Triangle Squared or at work, where I'm a little more pulled back and being professional. Right. It's, um, and everybody, some people will say that's fake. It's not fake. It's called being an adult. Diggish the best is most fun because it's essentially us sitting around as yeah, friends it's and just all recording it. Is. That's what it is. This is actually, if I had to say E3 was first, even though that doesn't really count to me, but then Diggish at best is first, this is two because it's very similar. Yes. Uh, very loose structure. I agree. Atlas Unchained said, if a train leaves Detroit at 60... 60- what? <laughs> Good question. I, oh. I read ahead a little bit. If a train leaves Detroit at 60 miles per hour at 4 p.m. and another train leaves Boston at 75 miles per hour at 2 p.m., which did you like more, Dead Cells or Hollow Knight? <laughs> I, I, this is still an internal struggle for me. It is I, for me, too. I, I really will still say Hollow Knight, though. That'll change in two weeks. Yeah. So back to Dead Cells. It's Hollow Knight for one reason alone. Hollow Knight has lore. Uh, and yeah. the biggest thing that Dead Cells is missing from me is that it has a really cool looking world, a really interesting world, uh, and it's really fun. And I love what they did with it. And I'm not even saying that it needs lore. It's good how it is. It's great how it is. It's, right. it's almost perfect as it is. And it's art, but, art style on both games are cool, but I like Hollow Knight's bleakness better. I, which one's going to stick with you more? It's going to be the I, one that's got a little bit of a, dude, a lore and backstory to it. Switch ever made an OLED Switch screen? Oh, dude, Hollow Knight would be. Oh, I, dude, I specifically, I played Hollow Knight on this. It's Dude, yeah. Dude, it's ridiculous. Ah, I would. I and would, then I also uh, remote played to my Vita to see what it looked like on the Vita OLED. Yeah, Beautiful. There's going to be some some degradation, though, from streaming. Oh, no, dude, you'd be surprised. It was really, really, really minimal. I had degradation but the game, always. the game has the art style to work with it. Yeah, it does. Like when I when I uh, I did remote play on Anthem to uh, when I was going to bed at the night, I was wanting to watch Scrubs, and I was just I had to make a new character. I'll get into that with you just separately. I had to make a new character to get two things because. I'm glad they made this way a, a way out of getting it, but the game glitched on two of the runes, so I had to make a new character. But the things are shared between all accounts. Yeah. So I had to do a new character and then play just enough to get to the point where you can see the runes, and then I was able to get to the last the two. ones that you needed. Yeah, uh, and it worked. So I was happy about that. Uh, it was mildly annoying. I had to play about an hour of the game before I could do that, or maybe even yeah. a little bit longer. But I was glad that it wasn't like some games where if you glitch out, you're just done and to replay the whole game. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. It looked beautiful. And so Hollow Knight's definitely a great question. Yes. And more importantly, which one's yours? We need to know this. Yes. Tell me. Everybody who's played those two games. Our last question for the night. 
Oath Keeper Kiki asked a very good question about the 80s movies, which uh, I'm excited to answer in the next episode that got cut off, but goes down to the wire of El Chabib. And he says, do you think E3 waning influence this year could affect relations between developers, such as conventions bring developers and industry veterans together, which helps in forming relationships and possibly collaboration and learning from each other? Thoughts? Absolutely. I think any major industry event is helpful for this. I think that them meeting up and uh, or even just seeing each other's works almost and then they can actually interact with each other. People at uh, Bungie interact with people over at uh, Ready at Dawn sometimes. Like there is somebody posted a uh, thing on, on Bungie's Twitter a while back with their they were at Ready at Dawn Studio. I was like, that's cool. Like, I don't know if they're going there because they know somebody that works there or if they like, were collaborating. Or yeah. yeah. Um, and collaboration between two developers uh, or any form of studios really is really always interesting to see because it's putting all of that contained creativity into the same room with each other. And whether it's a storyboard, a script, a soundtrack, it's creating something new that has the flavor of two or more developers in it. And it's really, really cool. Yeah, I agree that I think it will at least have some effect. How great, I don't know, because I do think there's other events that they can do these things at. And yes. I also think with internet communication becoming easier than ever and also the ability to be able to fly and handle things outside of that. What I mean by that is I think relationships can be formed over the internet way easier than they ever could and that people can share things that way. And you see that with satellite studios that support a studio while being in an entirely different city. Um, these are all things that end up happening that I think it'll have an effect. How strongly I'm, I'm really curious. And that's more between developers. If you want to start looking into things where it's more like what's it going to have an effect of publishers and smaller developers who normally try and go and seek funding out. Thankfully those days are a little more gone since indies are a thing, but even a game like Warframe, which is not that old came out in 2013. Um, that's a game that had the developer going to E3 and trying to talk to as many people as they can. Games like Darksiders happened because the people brought the game to E3 and had meetings with different publishers and publishers are a little more open during E3 time because they're already in the space and the space is meant for that. So they'll sometimes see things and talk to people that they wouldn't otherwise talk to. And I think that might get to a point where it has a negative effect to an extent with, with at least publishers and smaller developers. Um, but I think that constantly, the way that technology moves forward with uh, ability to self-publish, the ability to communicate over online and be able to even see each other face to face over online, you know, with stuff like Skype makes it easier than ever to get around some of those hurdles that would have otherwise existed forever. Had it not been for how great the internet is. So great question. Great Good question. one to leave Everybody. off on. Uh, El Tabib, you're always great. Everybody else. We appreciate every single question y'all did. These are so fun to do. Uh, what was your favorite question of the night so far? Favorite question of the night was probably, the one involving uh, the food with Josh and like how we would make it. Yeah. That was always my fun. favorite one was the two interesting facts just cause it was a, it was an interesting question. It is. I do it's like a question like that, that I didn't expect at all. Yeah. You know, and it's funny cause I don't really expect any of these questions, but it's just a, it's just an odd one to throw out and definitely by somebody who knows us, but it's also interesting that for as much as we know, Corey, you know how many things that I know we don't know about each other. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, and it's crazy. The things you don't know about people in general, I almost wish that your answers would have been things I didn't even know about you, but we know so much about each other that it gets hard to, yeah, to like do that. You know? a $200 car. If somebody please, uh, Oh, is that it? Heartless angel. 
Heartless Angel is the one that saps everybody's uh, party's uh, HP back down, down to one. Is, yep, that's, yeah. that's okay. That's the Kefka signature move that Sephiroth stole. Um, thank you all for <laughs> tuning in to episode Redomel 13. If you see it, then we had no technical difficulties. And uh, it wasn't unlucky for us. And uh, thank you all for everybody who asked us questions. Always ask us questions if you feel free to. Even if you feel like you're asking them every single week because we like hearing from anybody and everybody. We we and do. we will see you guys. Your questions make this fun. On Monday. Yep, thank you. 12 p.m. Central. Thank you. Thanks to our patrons, Chad V, Dan Barber, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, my name is Dan, Douglas Below, Sean Santarude, Eric McAllister, Matt Sycamore, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanlin, Coy Live, Philip Laguerre, Corey Hickerson, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Thomas McKinnis, Brandon Edwards and Sean One Neo. If you would like to support the show with as little as a dollar, you can do so by going to the link in the description below or going to patreon.com slash nartech. Thank you. Thank you.